Welcome to the PR in Your Life podcast, episode number 19. This podcast is designed to help age 40 and over athletes live their best life. On this episode, we're going to talk to my husband, Andy. He's my number one cheerleader, and I've learned a lot from him. So today, he's going to share his top tips for how he lives his best life. As always, we've got a lot to share today, and Andy talks a lot. So let's go. Hi, I'm Dr. Libby. And I'm Coach Alex. Welcome to PRing Life Podcast, where it's all about thriving, not just surviving as an over 40 athlete. I've been a family practitioner for almost 20 years, and I have been dissatisfied with what medicine has to offer athletes. Now, as a functional medicine doctor, I've teamed up with Alex, a functional health coach, to talk about how to get to the root cause of symptoms. And together, we'll teach you how to make 40 and beyond the best years of your life. Listen, thanks for having me. I, it's a, it really is a pleasure to, to be here. Um, I'm very proud of what the two of you are doing. And um, I'm just happy to, to participate. So thanks again. Yeah, uh, we're excited. It's guys like you that why we're here. Well, excellent. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess probably we'll just we'll just start going. Um, yeah. Probably the first question that, that we need to ask is, what am I doing here? Why am I on your <laughs> How'd podcast? How'd you get to be a guest on our I'll, podcast? Because <laughs> you're old. No. Right. Right. So, <laughs> So really, the truth is, um, since you started this, uh, every time uh, Libby comes home or every time she gets relieved to, to leave to come do it, I'm, I'm like, when can I be on? When can I be on? Please let me yeah. be on the podcast. So <laughs> if you beg enough, you eventually get to be on it. So no, that that's that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, I, I was a little hesitant to come because this is this is your thing, and you know I certainly don't want to intrude on your. I want to be supportive of of what you're doing, but I, I certainly don't want to interject myself in, into the good thing that you guys uh, have going on. Um, so really how it, it came to be, uh, as far as my participation in, in this episode, is um, as part of my job, part of what I do in life, uh, I end up doing a lot of public speaking. And uh, from time to time, Libby gets to, to come and, and see me speak uh, at different forums. And every once in a while, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll drop a nugget or two, and and she likes what I say. And uh, <laughs> once once you guys got up and started doing the podcast, uh, you know, she was like, "Hey, I'd like to have you on sometime. I'd, I'd like to to uh, some of the things you talk about when you talk out in public. You know, if you could come and share that with our, our listeners, that would be great." So I think that's how I, I got to be, which is a miracle because again, behind closed doors, and and as part of what I'm going to talk about, I'll talk about what goes on behind closed doors with, with folks. But uh, behind closed doors, uh, I think I'm typically like pretty much any other mid-40s guy. Uh, I'm perpetually stuck in like 10th grade. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I'm cutting my sophomore jokes around the house. And, and He did it on the way here. Yes. <laughs> so... So, and, and I live in a house full of girls, so they love my uh, teenage yeah. boy humor. Uh, so, but it, it's kind of like, for Libby, it's kind of like, uh, again, behind closed doors, perpetually living with like Michael Scott from, from the office. So uh, I you was- You are so lucky, Libby. I am a lucky lady. <laughs> well, I was shocked. I was like, you really want me to go on there? You know you, you know how, uh, you know, I, I joke around at the house and whatnot. So anyways, I, I was given a, a stern admonition that, look- I'm going to need professional Andy on the podcast, not behind closed doors, Andy. So on your best behavior. Well, I I will have to interject and say that you and Dan and the girls 
helped us come up with a name of the mm-hmm. podcast, if That's you do remember. Right. So there's some ownership that you have to this. And Dan reminds me of that all the time. Yes. <laughs> so don't be shy. So so yeah. well let's 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 get rolling into the end of the content a, a little bit. We even a little bit of background. So yeah. so I do as as part of my job, part of my, my career, and I'll talk about what I what I do in life uh, here in a few minutes, but I, I am called on to to speak publicly. Um, Fairly often, and when I speak publicly, there is a there's a set template that I follow, and and uh, again, that's a whole nother lesson or or nugget that I can drop. Whole another, another podcast, whole another yeah. podcast. That, so there's a very set template that I follow. But when I when I talk, I, I try to really drop some truth. So I, I'll give you a great example. I, I talk at a lot of graduations or or law enforcement graduations. Um, you, know, you get an academy class uh, graduating. I'll, I'll go talk to the the, the new officers, and um, you know, I, I, everyone knows that the job of a police officer is dangerous. You know, you get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obvious. I don't need to talk to them about that. When when I'm talking to them, uh, I like to talk about the real truth, what they're going to face day to day. So, look, man, you're going to get you're going to get you're going to have to work long hours. You're going to be in terrible situations. You're going to have to go into um, environments that you never in a million years expect you have to go to as far as houses and, and you know, roaches and, and filth and, and kids that haven't been taken care of. And you're going to see these terrible things. You're going to get cussed out all the time. You're never going to be appreciated. Um, you know, and your, your friends and, and your, your, your coworkers are going to struggle in, in their marriages. They're going to struggle uh, with substance abuse. You know, the suicide rate is incredibly high with, with our first responders. So I – congratulations yeah. on joining the yeah. field. This is what you got <laughs> to look forward really to. really so, positive. Yeah. But then, then I always flip it back around and talk about the honor of being able to do what they do and the responsibility that comes with being able to do what, what they do. And in spite of all of these hardships that they're going to face and they're going to have to overcome and they're going to have to lean on their spouses and lean on their, their family and lean on their, their coworkers to overcome those, in the end, it is worth that. And when I give these speeches, again, um, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a high school class or a, a, a law enforcement academy uh, graduation, I always try to drop two or three like life lessons or mm-hmm. life nuggets. So that is what I hope to do today on this podcast to, 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 to drop just a couple of, of kind of life lessons um, that I've learned from, from watching um, people uh, in extreme situations uh, throughout my professional life. So mm-hmm. I hope to, to be able to do that. Um, there's like four main points that I would like to make mm-hmm. on, on this podcast. And, and what's interesting is in each side or inside of each point, there are other points or other nuggets buried kind of in there. So this potentially has the, the it could sp- spiral out of control. I know we have 40 <laughs> minutes or whatever. I'm it looking could, at your list and I'm like, this might be two podcasts. So, so what's interesting is I- uh, Or maybe four, wow. I, I've got a four page outline here and I have stood in court before with a 10 page outline and argued for three and a half hours. So- <laughs> We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to try we're to have to keep you on. Yeah, you know. So I was thinking back to remember our Christmas party that we had for your um, 
work people a few years ago and we had karaoke and you know Andy got a microphone and when he got the <laughs> microphone it was like remember this yes. <laughs> you, and he's got a microphone so but but I do think you do have a lot of really great nuggets to mm-hmm. share and um, that's one thing that our podcast is all about like PR in your life I mean is all about not just PR in your lifts and your runs and all that kind of stuff but what kind of things can we do to make our lives Yes, and, and, awesome. and for yeah. your for your listeners, I'm certainly not here to talk about health and fitness. You know, I, I know <laughs> that I'm a, a perpetual example of like how not to do certain things. I, I, I know I show up in, in examples of, hey, this was kind of messed up. So I don't know if you told the story about uh, my fasting experience and how I was drinking protein shakes while I was doing the intermittent fasting. Um, um, I'm not sure if I did, but yeah, you, I, you want to just share that really quickly? Sure, yeah. You can. Yes, so... Um, we decided to do some intermittent fasting, Andy and I. This was several, I mean, maybe a year ago even. And he always drinks a protein shake as soon as he gets done working out because, of course, his mm-hmm. muscles will atrophy immediately if he doesn't have that protein. Of course. <laughs> and he told me, he's like, I think I'm going to fast every day until like noon. And I said, okay, that's great. I said, what about your protein shake? And he's like, well, I'm not going to count that. Like, that's not real not food. food. That doesn't count. <laughs> There's no calories in a protein shake. It wasn't I, food. I said, well, you don't have to count it if you don't want to, but your body counts it. And he, like, you did it for a while. Like, oh, yeah. And, and I lost, like, no pounds. <laughs> I lost yeah. zero, zero pounds while and, I was doing it. And he was just like, I'm not going to count that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's your choice if you don't want to count it. But so we it could, does count. We could use example. That's why I'm not here to talk about fasting right. or fitness or anything or like that. Or doing a 50K mm-hmm. overnight. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not here to tell any of those the, those stories. I'm right. here to actually talk about life lessons. So yes. if I'm going to talk about life lessons, um, I, I probably need to take a few minutes up front and give some context for where those lessons come from. And, and um, there have been, just like in everybody's life, there have been these critical moments in my life who have shaped, that, that have shaped um, who I am today. And and the, the lessons that that I'll share today, so I want to I want to talk about a couple of those, and I'll, I'll try to do it generally, um, so that that it's applicable. Um, so first first of all, I got to talk about my, my family life. You know, I I grew up, um, and I was incredibly fortunate in this day and age. Uh, I grew up with an intact family, so I had a, a mom and dad um, who got married right out of high school, graduated in June, got married in September, um, eighteen years old. Uh, they had me uh, the following September, or excuse me, August. My birthday's in August. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They got married Libby's in September. September. Yes. <laughs> had me in August. I'm, I was making sure that I got all these timelines uh, yes, right, yes. coming out the gate. So, so they had me the following August. And, you know, by the time they were 23, uh, they had three boys. So I'm the oldest of, of three boys. And as you can imagine, um, starting out like that, uh, you know, they had to, they had to scrap. You mm-hmm. know, they, they had to, to, to struggle. And, uh, you know, as, as I look back on it, um, we, we weren't impoverished. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't live in poverty. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I would be hesitant to say that we were poor, um, but we certainly didn't have money. We didn't have excess money, I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Um, so uh, I grew up um, – where there there wasn't a lot of stock put into material things, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I was 
I can't remember. I, I don't think I ever had a pair of Jordans on these feet. You mm-hmm. know, I never had guest jeans and I certainly didn't have polo brand shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had food. Mm-hmm. We always had clothing uh, and we were our, our needs were always taken care of. And, and my parents worked hard uh, and sacrificed to, to provide for both me and, and my brothers. But what's interesting uh, about that and the lessons that I learned uh, from that is that even though uh, we didn't have a lot of material possessions, um, and we didn't have a lot of money, man, we were rich in the things that counted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, there are three things that I really had um, that you just can't put a monetary value on uh, that my parents gave me as, and, and my brothers when we were growing up. Uh, number one was unconditional love. You know, I always knew that I was loved. And it was it was through words. I mean, obviously my parents told me all the time mm-hmm. uh, that they loved me and, and my brothers. It was through deeds too. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they showed us in the quality time that we spent together, um, in the way they supported us. Um, they showed us that, that, that they loved us. And it was unconditional love. It wasn't tied to how well we did in a sport or it wasn't tied to our grades. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> because again, <laughs> I did some knuckleheaded things growing up. Man. You weren't earning it that I, way. <laughs> I certainly wasn't earning it. But my, but I always remember my mom and dad telling us that, that look, man, we will love you no matter what you do. And they meant it. Mm-hmm. They, they absolutely meant it. Now, as I'm older, I, I've come to learn just how valuable, how valuable and precious that is. Because I have, I spent a big chunk of my career working with kids who are um, abused and neglected, and um, you know, I, I've seen what happens mm-hmm. um, to kids who who don't get the the, the love that they need, mm-hmm. and and it's just so traumatic. Outside of the the physical trauma that they experience, the emotional trauma that that they experience or that young children experience when they don't have those emotional needs met is just it's something they'll struggle with the the rest of their life mm-hmm. again look if they if they're physically abused a lot of times those physical scars will, will heal mm-hmm. but those emotional scars a, a lot of times they just carry those somewhere with them for the, their whole life so i was so incredibly blessed to to know the entire time that i that i grew up that, that i was loved and not only that it taught me uh the 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 value of of love look mm-hmm. i've come to understand that the the greatest possession you have and the greatest possession you can give somebody is the ability to be loved and the ability to give love mm-hmm. and and it's so important for your kids it's so important for your spouse it's so important for your your colleagues to know that that somebody else loves them and cares about them unconditionally so so that is again that is one of those lessons that i learned growing up and you don't even think about it when you're growing up it's just mm-hmm. something you experience um that that is just that, that just proved to be so valuable in, mm-hmm. in, in my life more than than any materialistic or, or monetary thing that, that they could have given me the second thing they gave me was encouragement mm-hmm. um you know they <laughs> i snorted i'm sorry <laughs> they uh, they always encourage us they mm-hmm. they man from the time that i was little my parents told me look you can do whatever you want you can mm-hmm. be whatever you want even when i was on a path in my life not to to, to be uh where i where i wanted to go you know, I always had that foundation to fall back on of parents who told me, you can do anything you want. And when I was screwing up or when I wasn't uh, living up to, to what they hoped uh, you know, I'd be living up to, it was always a message of, look, 
we love you. Uh, we're just disappointed because you're so much better. You, you can be so much better than what you're being. Mm-hmm. And again, that that's not a message. Contrast that with a message that a lot of kids get, especially in abusive homes, that is, you're never going to be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our, our family's never gone to college. No one in our family's ever gone to college. Nobody has ever, you know, you can't. And, and when you tell a person around you, um, whether it's your kids, whether it's your spouse, when you tell them, oh, you can't do that, they begin to believe that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, my parents always did a great job of telling me that I could be everything or anything that I that, that I wanted. And and that's another lesson that I got in life that just um, paid dividends because it, it somewhere – in there was that foundation that I could fall back on. Well, maybe they're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe I could try this. <laughs> yeah. So, and the, the the other thing that I'll talk about and again, there's too many gifts that they 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 gave me, intangible gifts that they gave me to to to, to talk about all day. But the other big one is discipline. Look, when <laughs> when we messed up, there were consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when we didn't do what we were supposed to do, uh, there there were consequences. I got grounded um, my senior year of high school for two months. The last two months of my senior wow. year of high school, I was grounded. And I'm telling you what, I was grounded every single day. I earned it. I deserved it. Um, but they stuck to it. So, And it, it, it taught me in life that, again— when you make poor choices, you know, there, there are consequences for those, those poor choices, and you just got to man up and, and, and take it when, it when it comes to fruition. So that's my early life. And again, we are, we are going really deep probably into some of these background things. No, but um, I think it's important, and it's so yeah. interesting that your parents were so young, and they were had this all figured. I mean, that they did a pretty darn yeah. good job with the parenting game you know you know what I, I bet you if you asked them back then they didn't feel like they had figured yeah. out i think that they were just surviving mm-hmm. um but 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 the core was there yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean they they mm-hmm. love and one of the things i'm going to talk about here in a little bit is issues and you know how everybody has issues but um you know they they both came with you know their own their own baggage and 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 they did such a good job of just working it out man yeah. just just working it out and and and, and I, I, it comes back to love they loved yeah. each other well, they that's loved what us. i was gonna say because yeah it's not the surface stuff it's just like the deep love right. and you know all of your siblings have just excelled in life you know they really mm-hmm. have and i think that's um attributed yeah. to just the deep love that you all felt it yeah. might be part of it you know yeah and they definitely and i love seeing the pictures of them with your mom retired now them fishing and yeah. just all yeah. their stuff i mean they're modeling. just going yeah. active they're yeah. still modeling it so. yeah absolutely so yeah you definitely um you know won the lottery i think when it comes to to families yeah for and, sure. and again it comes back to <clears throat> the context for the lessons in life that mm-hmm. it's taught me so mm-hmm. so that's that's why i think it's important to, to put out it's not to be like oh yeah my family's great look man all again right. we'll talk about this in a few minutes everybody's got issues yeah. every, every everybody's <laughs> yeah. got issues so um you know i, I don't want to put it out like that but the the lessons that i was taught again, have applied in so many different areas. They're very foundational. Yeah, foundational, mm-hmm. foundational. They're, they're deeper than the surface materialistic things. Absolutely. So so let me let me talk about the second uh, influencing thing in my life uh, is I started working very young. 
I mean, started working for pay at very young. When I was 12 years old, I got my first job. Now, what's interesting about that is it was, when I look back at it now, it was almost like I was human trafficked. <laughs> so, and, and I don't know if you know these people or not, but um, we had a teacher at our school who their family owned concessions. Okay. And in the summer, they'd go to all these different carnivals and um, they would um, they would work these these different fairs and carnivals and whatnot. And they had lemon shakeups and they had um, elephant ears and sugar waffles and all these things. And it was it was a pretty big operation. Well, she would recruit kids uh, to come work in the summer. And I'm, I'm telling you, I was 12 years old, and she it was a cash under the table deal. And I'm certain that we broke every labor law that that was ever invented because I'm I think I got paid about a buck eighty an hour, yeah. and not only that, my parents it was so great. My parents again they love the idea of me working, and yeah. you know even though I wouldn't get paid anything, they love the idea of just having some work ethic and, and actually having a job. So they would take me and they would drop me off at, I remember like they dropped me off at Kettering Delco Park and they'd drop us off at like nine o'clock in the morning and we'd start working. You know, it might be a 4th of July firework thing. We'd start working and it was like 90 degrees outside, 95 degrees outside, 90% humidity. And I'm 12 years old working in a sugar waffle over hot grease all day long. I mean, we would work until like 1130 at night. And at the end of the day, we'd have like mm, 36 bucks yeah. cash yeah. in our pocket. Which but is when, kind of a lot for a 12 year old. When you're 12, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's well, you don't have any bills to pay. No. Right. Well, it's making me laugh that this is the Kenton Ridge version. Northeastern kids bailed hay and worked at, I think, Landmark right. and mm. did corn. Yes. So I'm laughing right. at the difference. The country of, versus the city. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> of underage working yes. for cash. Yes. But what, so. what's interesting is I look back on it now. I don't ever rem- I remember being thankful. Mm-hmm. And like this was a blessing. I'm mean, yeah. 36 bucks at 12. I was rich. That, that yeah. that's a ton actually mm-hmm. yeah. back then. So yeah. so uh, you know I learned obviously the value of working. We worked there for a couple summers, and then uh, I got my first real job at 15. Real job that like where you had to get a work permit. And yeah. They actually paid you and took yeah. taxes out and that yeah. kind of stuff. At 15 years old, uh, and I worked in a um, a restaurant, a local restaurant here. I was a busboy at the local restaurant. And again, the, the lessons that I learned from that experience um, were, were the, the value of hard work and the value mm-hmm. of doing a good job. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a few. But, um, you know, I, I was in school academically back then. So I was, I was in high school. I was a mediocre student at best. Um, I was more interested in girls and friends and, and, and whatnot. Um, but I was a good bus boy and what i've what does I've, that shock you Lily? yeah <laughs> what, no, what no. i've learned <laughs> what i've learned is those lessons that i learned in that restaurant with respect to customer service with mm-hmm. respect to taking care of my waiters and i wasn't even a waiter <laughs> i was just helping the waiters and waiters taking care of the, the waiters you know ensuring that uh folks had a good experience there those lessons shaped me more 
than geometry that I was taking or mm -hmm. physical science or right. English too, mm -hmm. uh, whatever I was taking in, in school right there mm -hmm. as far as who I am and, and, and how I applied myself later in life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we, we uh, a lot of times we get that message mixed up um, and mm -hmm. we don't put the value on hard work mm -hmm. or or entry level jobs or menial manual labor when it's so incredibly valuable mm -hmm. to, to, to shaping who uh, a person um, is or, or maybe common the lessons that they, they learn. So, and the other thing too is, again, at 15 years old, I'd work one night during the week, I'd work one weekend night, and I'd work a Sunday brunch. Um, that, that was kind of what my parents allowed me to, to work. Uh, but and, and back then, a lot of my friends had jobs, too. Now, you just don't see that. as We all played mm -hmm. sports, mm -hmm. and, and we all had to go to school. We had You just don't see that much. And I think we're depriving, uh, we're depriving a generation of kids the value of going out and actually working mm -hmm. under the excuse of, well, you know, they're too busy doing this or too busy doing that, or, you know, they, they can't with sports. And, and that, that work experience just teaches uh, such good life lessons. So, so many good yeah. life lessons. And I mean, one of them is like earning money. I mean, think about when you earn $36 after working all day long in, in your first example, and then you're asking your parents like, come on, will you buy me a pair of Air Jordans? And they're like, I mean, I don't remember what they were back then, like I'm sure over $100 probably even back then. And you start to kind of understand like, oh my goodness how gracious. Much that, that's how much ton. time you had to work yes. to be able to pay for that. Yeah. And so you think twice mm -hmm. about some of those choices. Right. That's one thing I yeah. learned from one of my first jobs too. I was like, oh my gosh, like, do I really want a pair of guest jeans? Because exactly. those are, I mean, it took me like all this time to earn that money and you start to kind of, I mean, that, which are just really good lessons to learn. And then, are you going to talk about this too? Because I think you've, talked about this before with me and I think it's a really good point you probably have this we've done somewhere else but about just going a little bit above and beyond mm -hmm. well, that, yeah. that's in my okay if, if okay. I can get past my context okay I'll actually <laughs> get to the point okay. I, I won't, make I won't steal your thunder because so, that's a good point but, too. but one but one other point I want to make about that first job or about that first real job is um my pay, so I got a, like an hourly pay, which was, I don't know, maybe like $2.10 an hour. But it, my money was really made on a percentage of tips that the, the waiter would share with me. Mm -hmm. And the waiter wasn't obligated to share. You know, it was a, I think they were supposed to share like 10%, but they weren't obligated a certain amount. So that's kind of where I learned the, hey, look, if I bust my tail for this waiter or this waitress, they give me more money at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And it was the... It was the effort reward lesson. Like it, sometimes, if you put more effort in, mm -hmm. you actually get a bigger reward. Mm -hmm. So that was not guaranteed. Again, not but, guaranteed. Yeah. Right. And and some waiters didn't do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you'd have some waiters that were cheap and wouldn't help you out no matter how hard you worked for mm -hmm. them, which is fine. And again, that's another life lesson mm -hmm. uh, that 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 you apply uh, later in life. But it was at 15 years old. These seeds are being planted. Like. Mm -hmm. There may be a correlation between mm -hmm. effort and reward, so <laughs> so that's yeah. a good thing. So, so that was that was the the second ripple point. My third ripple point was uh, two weeks after I graduated high school, and I was seventeen. I was young. August birthday, I left for Army boot camp. So, uh, and it's funny how that can happen. And again, I told you I was a, a mediocre student at best. Uh, I went in the army. And that was the first time um, in life where, well, first of all, I was, uh, 
the army does a great job of stripping you down to nothing. Mm-hmm. Man. They beat you down. And the military does a pretty good job at boot camp of beating you down, taking you down. There's no creature comforts at all. You're all miserable. You don't have any hair. Back then, we had to wear these real thick, terrible glasses. Um, and it was just a, it just it breaks you down to your to your core. But then they very build, humbling. It yeah. is very humbling. But then they build you they build you back up. And um, I don't know. They used to run these army commercials back in the day that was like, "Be all that you can be. You'll yeah. find a future in the army." Yes, I that, remember those. That was the army really taught me. Um, I, I, I I had a good experience. I excelled. I, I did well in the army, and. It's because I bought into the, hmm, be all you can be. It, it, it turns <laughs> You out, bought their tagline. I yeah. did, man. A hook, line, and sinker. Those marketers got me. Yes. So, um, you know, it turns out if I shined my boots, if I ran harder, did extra push-ups, shot straighter, you know, pulled guard the way I was supposed to pull, yeah, I was you, – you would be rewarded. Again, it's mm-hmm. that whole, like, effort-reward. And the, the military did a much better job of – effort reward first of all they make everybody give a good effort but but all of a sudden you get put into a leadership position like if, mm-hmm. if you're showing uh promise if you're doing what you should you get put in and with that leadership re- position comes oh extra responsibility that's another light lesson mm-hmm. i learned that like, a lot of times more work gets you more, more responsibility work. and more <laughs> yeah. work so, which, which can be a good thing yeah so um so yeah i, I really bought hook line and sinker into the the be all you can be but but really what i what i found interesting about the army was it showed me how much i was slacking um in my academic side but it also um you know when you have to dig holes you have to sleep on the ground you're perpetually uh, uncomfortable people are yelling at you all the time you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom you can only eat what they tell you to eat um after that everything in life seems a little bit easier so when i got back to college when i went to college um you know, it was the gravy train. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I had to study, you know, four hours for a, an exam, well, at least I was, if I was, if I was cold, I could get warm. If I was hot, I could get cold. I didn't mm-hmm. have to ask anybody to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. If I was thirsty, I'd get a drink. If I was hungry, I could get a snack. It was, it was so much easier. Put everything into perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, at least I'm not in the rain digging a hole right now. Yeah. And, and it just, it set me it set me on a trajectory that when I got into college, I had I had established these discipline skills, and everything was kind of I was viewing everything as relative. That all of a sudden studying just was no problem at all, you know. And, and the sacrifice to go and actually sit and, and study, and and turns out when you can sit and study, when you not when you can, but when you actually do sit and study for a while, good things happen. You get better grades. <laughs> Amazing. It was. So, so I, again, right my first quarter of school, all of a sudden I, I get there and I get a 4.0. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a second. My mom and dad told me I could do anything I wanted. I never thought I could get this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's unfortunate the, the military had to make me actually realize it. But, but again, it just everything became relative. And then what happens is instead of a far off possibility – that oh, I wonder if I could get good grades. Once you do it once or twice, it becomes the standard, the norm. Mm-hmm. Like oh, well I can do that. And then if you're not doing it, it's because you're like you realize mm-hmm. if you're capable and you're not doing mm-hmm. it, you got no one to blame except for yourself. Normally you have no one to blame except for yourself. But once you prove to yourself that you can do it, and you fail, you got you really have no one to blame except for yourself. So again, you know what I'm thinking as you're talking about this is 
Josie needs to join the army. <laughs> Don't you think? Look, man, there. Everybody should. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there's, there's something about compulsory service. The yeah. other thing too is, yeah, it, it, it. Not that I wasn't patriotic to begin with, but look, join the military, and yeah. that'll make you love your country in a hurry. Yeah, um, in, in, in a hurry. So there's something about service. Yeah. It was the first time that I had served. You know, I've been on sports teams and whatnot, but right. it's the first time that I'd actually served a really big cause, and that mm-hmm. cause was the yeah. United States of America. Mm-hmm. And that's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. That, that, that really is. So. Yeah, it was such a good thing. And I didn't know pre-Army Andy, but I think it was oh. a very big... Um, we wouldn't have made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is different. And, you know, and, and especially, and I appreciate because, you know, both my boys went two very different paths. You know, the older one was college and 150 percent that boy hard worked he was never a partier never has been never had to worry but then Seth did his six years in the military and as a parent I've never appreciated the military as much as I saw what he had to give up as an Mm -hmm. 18 year old enlisting Mm -hmm. and that was probably one of the biggest eye openers for me and it made me even more appreciate my country because mm-hmm. of what you guys have to give yeah. up so thanks well you have a direct tie to yeah. it yeah yeah so it's a sacrifice it's, for the families too. yeah Absolutely. yeah i remember that i remember like in college when we were together yeah. you know and you'd go for trainings and stuff that i you weren't around to be there for me and you I, we couldn't even talk on the phone like yeah. i remember exciting things yeah. happening and i like i would have to be home when he would happen to get the chance to call to yeah. maybe get the call. This is before cell phones. Yeah, I mean, answering machine. Yeah. Man, I got yeah. an answering yes. machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the army was good for you. The for other sure. thing that the military does better than probably anyone else is they teach leadership. So, mm-hmm. so again, I had a good experience. I bought all the marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. I became, I loved my country, and so I wanted to advance. So I actually ended up becoming an officer. And what they did when they trained me to be an officer was really taught me leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the military does a better job than any other organization I've ever been involved with at teaching how to lead people. You look, you got to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And and they put you in, in positions where you have to lead and you have to be responsible or else very bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always talk about this. You know, when I was 22 years old, I was, I was in charge of more people and more equipment and more dollars uh, than uh, in, in the military. Then I, I didn't get that, ex- that same level of experience and responsibility until I was about 36 years old and, and became the boss at, at my civilian job. Mm-hmm. So at 22 years old, they just thrust you in these positions where, look, if you screw around, you don't do something right, people die. I mean, mm-hmm. people get killed. And that is a heavy responsibility. Now, they give you the tools that you need. I mean, yeah. look, they, they, they make you get up in front of your soldiers and talk. They make you do all of these administrative things um, where, where you're responsible. That, again, later in life... Uh, you know, applied to uh, my, my civilian job, my, my my civilian opportunities. So yeah, they did a great job of that as well. So the fourth thing that shaped me was marrying Libby. So <laughs> you don't I, have to say aw. that just because it's our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if I want to come back again, I got to throw. No, so so listen. Um, I don't. Obviously, people aren't going to know this, but we got married before. Well, when you were in medical school and before I went to law school. Mm-hmm. So we went through the experience of med school and law school together. That's you know, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, I'm, uh, that's going to be one of the points that I talk about if I ever get to these points. Um, and, uh, you know, we had to endure that together. And we had to, we had to come shoulder to shoulder to, to get through uh, some of those challenges, which 
again, uh, we had we raised kids. We're raising kids together, mm-hmm. and so so all of these challenges that uh, you and I have have experienced together, shoulder to shoulder, kind of as a partner, um, and we've learned from each other. You know, we, we it, you, you've shaped me so much with respect to uh, I don't know how when you want them, just go do it. You know, when 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 you when you Set, well, set your mind to it. So, mm-hmm. again, and for, for those listeners that don't know Libby, she's the only person I've, I've met in my life who, uh, when she says, I'm going to do this, actually does it. I, I can't remember of a single thing um, that, that she said in her life that started with I want to or I'm going to that didn't end up with her finishing it. So that's obviously a good trait that that rubbed off of me. Now again, it comes with its own negatives. <laughs> we were just we were just talking this morning. <laughs> Alex, you'll appreciate this. We were talking this morning. Uh, we were on a walk, and she's like, you know, I got a problem with moderation. <laughs> I'm like, you don't say. So it comes with it. You know, that comes with its own. Uh, I get issues. a little focused and yeah, yeah, well, blinders on to maybe. the exclusion of of other things. Yeah, and and it's hard to pull you out when you when you when you start to do that. But it can be a blessing and a curse. It's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it certainly is a it's a, it's a, certainly a blessing. It mm-hmm. allows you to get done the stuff that you need to get done or that you want to get done, but it can be a curse too. So, and then the last point, so I can actually get into some of these uh, points that I want to make or life lessons that I want to make, is um, becoming a professional. So I went to law school and then I ended up uh, becoming assistant prosecuting attorney. Uh, I was assistant prosecutor for, I don't know, eight or nine years, and then I became the head prosecutor, the elected prosecutor um, for, for Clark County. So I managed the entire office. I was in charge of um, you know, felony criminal prosecutions for, for the entire county. Uh, and, and it just, uh, it was, it was an incredible experience, uh, when I did that before I moved on to the job that I, that I'm in now with, with respect to that life or that, that, uh, shaping experience, there's a couple things that I'd like to point out. Number one, um, timing, timing, it taught me the timing's everything. So when I went into that office, there were a couple things that just lined up perfectly for me. Number one is I had a mentor. And, and mm-hmm. we, you literally could do an entire podcast on the value of, of having mentors mm-hmm. and being a mentor. But there was a, a guy in the office who was about five years, he was five years older than me. So he had five years more experience than I did. Um, he was an incredible trial prosecutor. And what he did is he just took me under his wing and, and taught me to try cases, taught me, um, you know, what to do, what not to do, and just poured a lot of energy and, and focus into me. So, uh, again, that taught me not only the job, but taught me the value of of having a mentor and, and being a mentor. The other thing that happened for me, too, as far as, that job was um, the majority. When I went into that office, I was I was young, straight out of law school. Um, the majority of the attorneys in the office were near retirement, so they were they were pretty much done. You know, now they were they were trial dogs with lots and lots of experience. They'd seen lots of things. They knew how to try cases, but they had kind of lost the fire in their belly to, mm-hmm. to to try the cases. So they loved. I was like, you remember that old Looney Tunes where there was the big like pit bull and there's the little like uh, dog that's yapping yeah. and jumping. Like, Come on, Spot. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. This. Let's get yeah. this. That's how I was, was for you. these older guys. Yeah, I'm yeah. like because I was hungry, man. I was like, look, I'd seen Everything. trials on yeah. TV. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to be part of this. I mean, come on. Come on, come on. So these guys would get these cases that were on a trial course, and they're like, oh, gosh, we got to try this case, you know, whatnot. And I'd be like, well, come on, I'll help you. You know, what, what do you need yeah. done? What do you need done? And I would do whatever they wanted me to do on the case, all the scut work, all mm-hmm. the, all the, you know, the work that nobody wants to do. 
and they just kind of let me go. They, they just like, hey, but what it did is it gave me incredible experience. So, so very shortly after I graduated law school, I was getting experience in, in the type of cases that a lot of people don't get for 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I, not only that, but I had the safety and security of having an experienced prosecutor that actually was in charge of the case. They, even though they were letting me do the work and they yes. let me run the case for them, they were ultimately on the hook for it. So it was such a great place to be. And then the final thing with that, that job is uh, I had a boss that allowed me the freedom to perform. Yes. He didn't micromanage me. He, he just said, sure, kid, go ahead, do whatever. Just, just yeah. go for it. So it, that was a great experience. You know, one thing I've noticed about you, Andy, and you kind of have highlighted a little bit here, but it's like a lot of proactivity, though. You know, like in, in yeah. the things that you've done. So, you know, a lot of times I think we just sit back and like someone tells you to do X, Y, and Z and you're like, and you do it. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, that's what the boss says or whatever, but you're always and I mean, this was the case in um, your job at the restaurant, in the army and your job at the prosecutor's office that you were always like. What can I do? What else can I do? Yeah, you but, know. Well, that's going to be one of my points. Okay, that's your, okay. That's your kind I don't of steal your so I'm actually, I'm actually almost to the point now. Well, I'm into the point where I'm going to get into some of these life lessons and, and nuggets. Well, yeah, I certainly appreciate that. Um, but you know, that's a blessing and a curse too, because mm-hmm. a lot of the thumpings that I've taken in my life have been being because I ran out too far and, and mm-hmm. had to learn some pretty good lessons about, well, maybe I should slow things down just a little bit. So you know, that, that's been a, uh, a good life experience. So, so let's talk about through all of that stuff. And that's, that's an awful lot of context. Um, let's talk about some nuggets, um, mm-hmm. some lessons I learned. The first lesson that I want to talk about is that, look, in life, when you're faced with a, a task or a challenge that seems incredibly difficult or, or almost overwhelming, the only way you're really going to get through it is by breaking it down into little parts. And, and, and you got you to gotta live like day to day, moment to moment as you work your way through, through the struggle. Um, again, if, if anyone's listening and they've done any reading on, on Navy SEALs, you hear, you hear this repeated time and time again when, the, when these Navy SEALs talk about their experience at BUDS, which is the basic underwater demolition training that they have to go through. Now, BUDS is a six-month course where they're just getting their teeth kicked in mm-hmm. day and day. I mean, they just, they just destroy them. And, and the hell week's in there where it's just a, a, a terrible experience. But what you hear from the, uh, those folks time and time again is the only way you can get through BUDS is by focusing on whatever the task is that you have right now. So if it's surf passage where you got to paddle these boats out into the ocean and and get flipped over by the waves or whatnot, you got to focus only on surf surf passage. You can't think about, oh man, after surf passage, we got to go on a five mile run or whatever we have to do next Mm -hmm. because it becomes overwhelming. And and what it does is it beats you down and and you end up quitting. You, you, You end up quitting. So, and that's so true, no matter what your challenge is in, in life, if, if, if you look at the whole picture and you don't focus what, on what's in front of you, it can be overwhelming and cause you to quit or give up, uh, up early. Mm-hmm. You got to just eat the elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. So, so where I first saw that, where we first saw that, the story that I'll tell is um, the first year of law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and my first year of law school was... That was your second year of medical school. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so my first year of law school was Libby's second year of medical school, 
And the academic load for both of us was almost overwhelming. I mean, it was just unbelievable the amount of stuff that uh, they're making. And the way law school works is it's taught by the Socratic method. So every day you're giving a, you're given a, a bunch of cases to, to, to read and prepare for. You have to brief because the next day you may get called on. You don't know you're going to get called on, but you may get called on to stand up in front of your 100 classmates and talk about the, the facts of the case, the legal analysis of the case, whatever it is. And if you don't, if you're not prepared or you try to BS your way through it, the, the professor blows you up in front of all your your pals. And I, I remember the, the, like the first week, first two weeks of law school, seeing it happen a couple of times. And you're like, oh, this is terrible. It's a shaming experience. You're like, I don't want that to be me. Oh, man. I was just like, I mean, literally, these are grown people. I remember a couple of times people crying. I mean, crying, sitting mm-hmm. down and crying, sitting at their chair crying because they just got embarrassed in front of the entire class. And I was like, I don't want to cry in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. So there's a lot of pressure yeah. to study. And the amount of, of reading and studying that they give you every night is, again, it's almost incomprehensible. So, so the way we did it, and again, this was my first year, is – we had we had a very rigid structure, which again could be an, it's an entire podcast of its own. But uh, you would get up early, so you would get up like five thirty in the morning. Back then, I wasn't an early riser. You would get up like five thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and you would start studying. We lived in this little condo, mm-hmm. and uh, you would start studying. I would sleep until about eight, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, if the classes started at nine, I'd sleep until about eight o'clock. You would be gone by the time that I got up, you'd typically be out the door on your way to class. So I'd get up, I'd go to class all day. When I got home at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I'd do a a quick change, I'd get something to eat. You typically weren't home. You may still be, you still may be at the library, not library, but at class or whatnot. If you were home, there was just a real short interaction. And then uh, I would head out the door to the library. I'd head out the door to the gym. I'd go to the gym first, and I'd work out. And then from the gym, I'd go straight to the library, and I would study until about 1130 at night, midnight, each mm-hmm. night. And then I would come home. You'd be asleep, mm-hmm. and we get so, – so in the, each day – this is Monday through Thursday. Each day, we were only seeing – we're married. We're, mm-hmm. we're only seeing each other 30 minutes mm-hmm. tops. I mean, and that was just in passing – you know, hey, hey, how you doing? Which is great for a new marriage. Um, <laughs> so you're trying to adjust to everything else. So, so that was our structure Monday through Thursday, and then Friday, we would allow ourselves date night. Mm-hmm. So we would go out pretty much every Friday night, no studying or anything like that. But then Saturday morning, we'd get up, we clean the, the condo, we'd go do grocery shopping, mm-hmm. run errands, something like that, and then to the library we went mm-hmm. together. But we'd be at the library usually from noon until like seven o'clock, eight mm-hmm. o'clock at night. Yeah, and that is how we lived a year of our life, mm-hmm. and and that was our structure. Now, what I focused on every day was just the task in front. What did we both focused on: mm-hmm. what, what cases do I have to read tonight, mm-hmm. and and what I have to what, what I have to do to to make sure that I don't cry in class tomorrow. <laughs> so, I remember during that time period, from time to time, like. I would start to think like, oh man, I, I got a whole 
three years. I, it actually slacks off <laughs> the, the third year. But I, I remember thinking to myself, I can't do this, man. Mm-hmm. I, and when, when I was like three or four weeks in to, to run in that schedule, I'm like, man, I, I'm not seeing my wife. I, I, can't, I can't keep this up. And what happens, the danger of that point is what happens is you start to create alternative plans for your life, mm-hmm. uh, plan mm-hmm. Bs mm-hmm. for your life. So I remember driving home, and it was late, man. And this would happen almost every night. I, I'd drive home from the library, and I would think to myself of all the other jobs that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I was, what, 21, 22 at this point? And I was like, man, you know, I could be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. He worked 24 hours on, 48 yeah. hours off, you know, and you start to convince yourself that your life would be so much better mm-hmm. if you weren't going through the suck fest that mm-hmm. you're going through at that moment in time. And it's insidious. It's poison. It's a cancer um, mm-hmm. because those voices in your head uh, are trying to convince you to stop what you're doing. Now, the problem is the lie, the lie that those voices are telling you is that the grass is greener mm-hmm. on the other side of the fence. So when you're thinking about your plan B, when you're thinking about your other, you know, the other option, mm-hmm. if you do quit, what the other option is, it's all unicorns and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. It, it, right. It, it's like, that would be so great. Libby and I could hang out all the time, mm-hmm. you know? I'd be putting out fires and saving people's lives, you know? And it just, but, but, but what happens inevitably is if you're able to block those voices out, if you're able to concentrate on whatever you got to do so you don't cry in class tomorrow and, and successfully complete the challenge that's in head, uh, ahead of you, at the end you're like, that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, I, and- I, I did that. I could – that was great. And I know you talked about in your podcast when you talked about like fence post to fence post or telephone mm-hmm. pole yeah. to telephone pole. It's the yeah. same basic concept. Yeah. If, if you think about the, the challenge that, that, that the whole challenge, it will break you. It, it, it will break you and all of the voices that make you want to quit will, will come alive in your head. Uh, that same voice is the same one that when you're like, okay, I'm going to stick to my diet. I'm going to eat clean and I'm, I'm doing this. And then you know, three yeah. o'clock in the afternoon rolls around. You're like, oh, cupcakes. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and you just the whole like it's the whole yeah. that primitive brain is just it's pretty powerful. It is. It's, well, I, I'm going to ask this and it just kind of makes me think of, you know, it's funny because you guys are very like minded in everything that you do. And Dan and I are kind of the same way. And it just makes me think of like when we were all having an Ironman training and doing stuff of that accountability you knew that she's going through school. Her nose is through the grindstone. Mm-hmm. If you quit, she's still doing what she's doing. So you might as well keep it going. Same thing like mm-hmm. when you're doing all the training and everything together. Yeah, It's the same. Okay, they're hurting too. They're mm-hmm. miserable. You just need misery to get through it. Company yeah, and, misery yeah. loves company. Yeah. And, yeah. So her first year of medical school was because of Army stuff. I was a year late graduating um, undergrad. So her her first year of med school was my last chill year of undergrad, man. I was in chill time. Now she is getting her teeth kicked in. Yeah, I knew the first year was not. It was Mm -hmm. terrible, man. It was terrible. I mean, physically, she looked not healthy, Mm -hmm. like pale, like just it was not a good experience. Stress levels through the roof. We were about to get married. We had our our wedding, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that summer. And I'm, I was taking um, <laughs> water aerobics. I know. I, I'm <laughs> blushing. I'm blushing. As I said, I was taking my last quarter. I took water aerobics and weightlifting. 
So, I mean, I was in just chill time. And there was a time, you talk about accountability. So so we yeah. weren't going through the suck together at yeah. that point. Right. And there was a time I, that uh, we got some tickets to a Reds, Reds I game. I was just thinking that same. Four tickets to, to Reds game. She couldn't go. She had to study. Um, yeah. And so I took I took my boys, man, and we had a great time. And, it was, and she looked like a sad puppy dog, man, <laughs> when we left. And it almost broke her spirit. Dude. Yeah. That, that Reds game was about all she wrote. Well, you can get to kind of feeling sorry for yourself when you feel like you're oh, yeah. the only person. You know, and you're like, yeah, Man, poor me. I have to do this. And they're all having all this fun. And yep. it was easier. I mean, my second year of med school and his first year of law school, I think it was easier because day in and day out, he was doing the same stuff I was doing, mm-hmm. you know. And that wasn't our, our plan was not to be in school together. Our mm-hmm. plan was for me to work okay. and put her through med school. And then when she started residency for me to go to law school so that we, did, we didn't want to be without an income. But but some ha- stuff happened with my military stuff that just opened opened up a path where I'm like, I just got to go now. And we ended up living on loans. We got no income living on loans for, for those three years. But uh, in the long run, it just worked out so much mm-hmm. better because I'd, I'd, I'm not sure we'd have made it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we would have made it if – I was chilling with a job nine to five yeah. and, well, and you were studying or vice versa. You know, yeah. and I know it's really hard and, and I just keep on going back to the extra, like when I quit doing Ironman and all that kind of stuff and Dan was still, I think he was training and you know, the training's unbelievable. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, when he was gone doing five, six, seven hours on a weekends, both days and I'm sitting at home like, wow, this really stinks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. That is hard. So it's better when you're both in it together. Sometimes I think just digging your holes and getting through it than it's, being the one. It's hard at for home. both parties, I think, yeah. because the person who's going through it is like, man, like I am really getting my butt kicked. And then the yeah. person that's not going through it is like, you know, I'm yeah. missing the fact that you're available to hang out with me. Right. Yeah, so yeah, right. it is. It's on both ends. So yeah. trying to find that balance. And the, the life lesson, I, the life lesson, I think for the the listeners is is obviously you got to take it in, in small bites. But mm-hmm. also, if if you are listening and you've experienced that, you have an obligation to those around you who are kind of going through it on their own to explain to them. Yes. Just, just stick with it, man. Just stick with it a little bit longer. You'll be, mm-hmm. and and once you, once you've made it out the other side of your tough experience, take that lesson with you and be a mentor for for somebody else. And and there was a guy. Again, we don't have permission to. I, I didn't talk to him about telling a story, but there was a guy that we all know mm-hmm. that was going through the State Highway Patrol Academy, mm-hmm. and he was getting his teeth kicked in. Man, it's very much like the military, and it was a. It's just as a. It can be a terrible experience. And but he was really excited before he went in. I mean, he yeah. had to, he had tried to get in for a long time. He was mm-hmm. really excited about being a trooper and 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 uh, you know was just kind of gung ho. And what was it? Maybe four weeks in, five weeks in, we hear from his parents. You know, uh, he's thinking about dropping out. Mm-hmm. He's 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 thinking. And what had happened is, I think I think he had gotten like his EMT or something before he went in, and he was starting to think to himself, "Look, man, again." I, yeah. There's a, there's other things out there that I could do. Right. And and you start again, you start to sell yourself the lie of, well, this isn't really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember I remember talking to him about this situation. He was young, he was, he was about to get married, and he was like he was like, "Look, man, they're they're teaching. There was something they were teaching. I don't remember if it was defensive tactics or something like that, but he had convinced himself that look, this isn't the career that I want." You know, mm-hmm. this this isn't the career that, that I want, and and I should just get out now mm-hmm. instead of staying here 
one more minute through mm-hmm. this torture and go find what I really want to do. He kind of convinced himself that point. And we saw him and we saw him out about and we, we, we talked to him and I said, look, man, you just got to grind it out. Just just put that behind you. Just just focus on whatever it is that, that, that you got to do that day. And that's when you're in it, when, when you're getting your teeth kicking mm-hmm. in, you don't want to hear that. Right. You're no. just like, oh. You want somebody to you tell want you, to like, say you're right. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. You should, you, you should quit. Yeah. Should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that gives you immediate relief yes. of the pain you're suffering. And people yeah. will tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, people will, your true friends won't. If your true friends understand that how bad you really want it and that it's, they, they, They'll stick with they it. They know. Yeah, they know. That you'll regret it later on right. if you quit. Right, mm-hmm. right. And yeah. that's, what it, that's, I, that's what I told him. I said, look, man, if you drop out now, if, 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 you, if you get out now, you will always wonder. You will always doubt that decision. Mm-hmm. So regardless, again, I, he, he didn't look any happier after we had the, the conversation. But he, sticked, he stuck with it. He loves it. Mm-hmm. He loves yeah. it. And yeah. on the backside, man, he was so happy. And the pictures of him and his fiance and his family at his graduation. And, and he is doing a great job at mm-hmm. it. And you know, here's something that's interesting, too. What if he saved, somebody else, saved somebody's life? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he yeah. could be in a position where he pulls someone from a burning yeah. car at the a ripple wreck. effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just yeah. never know. Right. If, and if he had listened to those voices inside his head, you know, who knows? Right. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, so all right. So that's point one. Uh, take things in small. Uh, you know, take things in, in in small bites. So, point two, uh, that as far as life lessons is, um, look in this day and age, man, where, where we're at today, it is so easy to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. And if you think, I mean, just think about the word extraordinary. Mm-hmm. All right. You can you can do the bare minimum in, in life and be ordinary at this point. Mm-hmm. That's not even a slacker. You mm-hmm. do the bare minimum, and you can be just ordinary, and that that's fine. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's fine. We 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 need folks. Not everybody's going to set the world on fire. That, mm-hmm. that that's that's fine. But with just a little bit of extra effort, mm-hmm. I mean, you can really stand out, and you can really be extraordinary. And and we really—that's a lesson that we really need to be teaching our young kids, man, mm-hmm. as they're coming up. Be like, look, man, just just do the small things. Like everybody can do the big things in a job or a, a career. You know, you wouldn't have a job if you couldn't do the big things. But it's the small things that count, and in doing the small things really and, and doing them well really can cause you to stand out and and, and be extraordinary and I, I go back to that that first job as, as a bus boy um, my experience at, at that job was a good experience and and I, I feel that I was a good bus boy because I did the small things mm-hmm. I, I, I did the small thing if you looked at that job description my job was basically to when somebody got up clear their table of dishes wipe it down and reset it that's mm-hmm. that's a bus boys bust the tables mm-hmm. right but and and i could have got i could if that's the only thing i would have done in that job i, w- I wouldn't have got fired mm-hmm. i, I would have you know i would now i certainly wouldn't gotten extra tips from my, my wait staff mm-hmm. but but what i did is oh, look i'm stuck there anyways i'm stuck there for six hours or whatever my shift is i might as well 
just hustle. Mm-hmm. I might as well just stay busy because if I'm at the wait station or I'm back in the back hanging out with, with my buddies, just chewing the fat, waiting for a table to get up, that actually slows your day way down. It becomes mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. If you stay hopping and, and moving, uh, it makes your day go faster mm-hmm. and it just provides for a, a better experience. So, so like I always, you know, made sure everybody's drinks were topped off. I made sure that empty plates were taken. I made sure that if they were out of bread, they got more bread, you know, and, and what I was doing, really, I I wasn't trying to do anything special. I was just trying to stay busy Mm -hmm. and trying to, trying to, to put myself in their shoes, be empathetic. Hey, Mm -hmm. if I was a customer or a patron at this restaurant, Mm -hmm. what would I appreciate? Mm -hmm. I would appreciate being able to drink my water when when my water glass is empty. Andy drinks a lot and you like to have your drink refilled yes drink a lot of water yes <laughs> yes i don't want you to listen to be oh, like no, no, hey yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. not alcohol right. water yeah. <laughs> yes like, diet. well diet coke sometimes too <laughs> so 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 i did that but but here's what what's interesting by just doing that just doing those extra little things i was able to stand out and i was not only that but i was able to make more money mm-hmm. and i was able to establish a rapport with some of the regulars mm-hmm. the regular customers that would, that would come into the restaurant and so, so not only was I able to stand out individually, or, or can you stand out individually, but also it it contributes to the collective experience uh, at a, at a restaurant. So, so if somebody came into the restaurant and because I was kept the drinks full and we did a good job of you know taking care of everything that they needed, they were going to walk away from that experience, and be like, man. That was a great place. I'm yeah. going to go there yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Even if the food is average. Mm-hmm. I mean, the food was great at this place. Mm-hmm. But but they're going to be like, man, the service was was fantastic. Yeah. And, and collectively, now it's not just my waiter. Now all of a sudden it's the boss slash owner that, mm-hmm. that is able to benefit from those individual efforts. So, yeah. so again, it's just – it's just so easy to do more than the minimum. Yeah. And we don't do it. And doing the minimum is fine. Like, I mean, if you do what's asked of you, you're doing a good job. Right. right. Um, so it's not that, you know, that's doing a bad job. Right. But it's just, it's just adding that little bit extra, I think. And, and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't take that much effort. And so few people do it that it makes such a difference. Yes, it does. And you can apply it anywhere in your life. Yeah. Anywhere. You yeah. Can, look. It doesn't take that much effort to put your shopping cart back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, these days, that makes you extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, right. put your put I your know. shopping cart in the cart corral. Yeah. So Throw your trash in a trash can. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yes, right. Yes, yes. But we just don't think about it. We're so egocentric yeah. these days. We're yeah. so self-centered yeah. that we're just in our own little worlds. Mm-hmm. We're on our phones. We're doing this and that. And we're blowing by all of these opportunities to do something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And and we just need to slow down and, and do that. And and again, now come full circle, you know, let's see, it would have been 15, 20 years later, uh, 20 years after I had my busboy job, I'm the boss at a place. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate now the, the attorneys that I had working for me at the time who were extraordinary, mm-hmm. who I didn't have to worry about because I knew they were going to do everything in their power to, 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 to work a case. Mm-hmm. And they were going to make the victims, you know, they were going to communicate with the victims. They were going to do their best to make the victims whole. They were going to do their best to, to present in front of a jury. They were going to work well with law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. It was 
great. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was such a blessing. And that's who we looked at. That's who we looked for. That's who, when I tried to build my team, I tried to look for people who would do more than, 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 than the minimum. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yes, that's a, that's a great yeah. point. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, you've, you've exemplified that in your life for sure. So, so that was point two. Okay. So I have four points. Okay. I have to. I have to hit the fourth point. Okay. I don't know how we're doing from a time perspective, but we're, yeah, we're running. <laughs> so a let me long, let me but... skip the third point and let me and I'll I'll jump straight to the 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 fifth point. Okay. Or excuse me, the fourth point. point. Okay. Um, and this 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 is my favorite point. Okay. This this is my favorite. Point. Okay. I, I try to make this point. <laughs> no matter what group I'm talking to or what the subject matter is, I try to to hit this point because we just don't think about it enough. Um. I, I I would just like for everybody to think about for a second the the power that they have to make somebody's day better. I mean, it's such a gift that each one of us holds inside of us. We you literally have the 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 ability to make the day, the experience of those that you come in contact with either positive or negative. If you're a jerk, mm-hmm. You 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 gonna make them have a negative day, or you can make them have a negative day. Mm-hmm. If you do something positive, you can set the the whole trajectory of their day in a different path. If you hit them in the morning, you know, with with, with something positive, you can set the trajectory of their day in a in a great path for the day. If you hit them in the evening, you can correct the 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 negative things that they may have experienced, or at least mitigate some of the negative things that they experience. So so you do it with your words and your actions. And and let me back up a little bit. I think it's most important probably to start with your family. Mm-hmm. I, I think, look, you owe, you owe your spouse, you owe your kids uh, the duty of making their day better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, again, I try to do it through – with my kids, mainly with words. Um, you know, uh, we, we, <laughs> we, we, had a, we had to ground Ainsley yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Not, not to throw Ainsley's business out there. Yeah. But when uh, – <laughs> When I when Dan I talk, better not hear that. When I when I talked to Ainsley at the end of the day, she's like, "Oh, I had a bad day," and I was like, "Well, wh- wh- why was your bad?" I was worried that something might happen in school. Mm-hmm. Why was your bad? Well, it just started really bad in the morning. Well, you know, we grounded her, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I was harsh in my grounding language with mm-hmm. her yesterday, which is fine. She needed to be disciplined, um, but but it, it shows you how you set the trajectory trajectory of the kids. So so mm-hmm. so listen, if you're listening to this and you have kids, man, do something every day in the morning to try to set your kids day straight. All right? For kids a lot of times it's just words of affirmation. And and I'm going to come back to that here in a second, but but hey, for girls, can I I live in a house full of girls now. I grew up with all boys, so this has been a learning experience for me. <laughs> Look, oh man, I really like those braids. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. oh, man, you know, that outfit is 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 for girls, you know, for young girls, it's that kind of stuff. But or, there's mm-hmm. nothing more powerful than your father's love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and Nothing more powerful. Mm-hmm. So, look, if there's dads listening, mm-hmm. give it to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give it. Don't hold it back, yeah. man. Don't hold it back. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to digress just a little bit here. But um, I, have you ever talked about the Love Languages book? On this podcast, I don't think, I don't so. think so. No. Okay, so so who Gary Chapman? Gary Chapman. Yeah. Yep. So Gary Chapman wrote the Love Languages book, and this is a whole other story. Libby, I don't know, was it ten years ago? Probably asked me to read this book. Yeah. And he was like, "I'm not reading that book." <laughs> I'm not reading that book. And I went like three years and didn't read it. Yeah. And I can't remember if you asked me again to read it or I picked it up on my own. I think I asked you again. And obviously, I must have been a more mature husband mm-hmm. at that point. <laughs> uh, 
And I picked it up and I read it. And man, if, if, if there's listeners out there who haven't read this book, again, and I'm a guy who originally said, no, I'm not reading that nonsense. Yeah. Um, it, it can be transformational. Mm-hmm. Not, and, and 100%. It's, and yeah. it's geared towards uh, husbands, wives, uh, you know, or boyfriends, girlfriends. It's geared towards that kind of love. But man, it applies in every every situation where you interact with people. Mm-hmm. If you understand their love languages, then you can speak their love languages. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to understand when you talk about making people's day better or worse, you have to understand the kind of things that make their day mm-hmm. better or worse. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that book is, look, if, if Libby's love language is one thing and I'm telling her or doing something for her in a love language that isn't her love language, I might as well be speaking Japanese to her. Mm-hmm. You know, we sat down when our boys were little and we talked about it and I asked my boys well, what, you know, we went through the different five. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because what I would have guessed to be their love language was not what they mm. said meant the most. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said, Dan will buy me gifts. Gifts for me mean nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. I want you to run the sweeper. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 so, yep. and so I do, I feel like with anybody close in your life, it is really important because what you've, and I'm a gift giver. I love to give gifts, mm-hmm. right. but that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I want someone to clean and run the sweeper. And, and we tend to give think me a that. Cough. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to think like, and you're probably thinking, I'm showing Dan my love because I ran the sweeper today. And yeah. he's like, I could care less. He could care less. <laughs> Vacuumed carpet. Yeah. Shocker. He yeah. is touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All men are a Physical little bit touch. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's what it's going to come back to. So, yeah. so look. Try to speak, if we're talking yeah. about kids, try to speak your kids' love language yeah. in, in the morning. And again, you owe it to your spouse, too. But you got you to speak your spouse's love language. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, when I say speak, I'm not necessarily saying talk. Right. Look, Do it. look. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something here. And if Chad has to beep it out, he beep it out. <laughs> your wife is walking. This is for the husbands. This is for the men out there. <laughs> if, if your wife's walking out the door and you're like, Hey, your ass looks great in those jeans. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is something, husband, that you probably want to hear your wife say to you. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> that may not, I mean, maybe it's something she wants to hear. But my experience and having read that book is mm, that probably isn't. So instead of doing that, and as a compliment, it's great. Hey, um, after 25 years of marriage, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I'm not discouraging that. Yeah. But, but. How about you unload the dishwasher? Mm-hmm. And then when you do that, don't be like, oh, I unloaded it. Don't don't run around yeah, the house yeah. screaming at the top of your Look lungs. That, yeah. Right. I'm a champ. I'm... Right. Look, just whatever. If her love language is an act of service, just yeah. do a small act of service. Mm-hmm. All right. Or notice something small. Oh, yeah. her your hair looked very nice this morning. Mm-hmm. Just something like that, all right? You never notice when I get my done. You can get it cut. Like, you can get a whole new cut style. a whole and new color, like, and he'll, but, wow, is your shirt different? No. But you know what? You live in a house full of boys. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. So I would yeah. have known that. I was mm-hmm. raised in a house full of, mm-hmm. of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that until I had until I had a, a 12-year-old crying before she went yeah. to school because – there was like three strands of hair sticking out of her braid. Yeah, I could have gotten my hair cut, colored, and done, not notice it. But if I would have washed my car, he would have said, yeah. "You washed your car today." Yeah, that's because that's his love language. Yeah, it is. Yes. So look, the, the the way to make those around you their their day better is fill up mm-hmm. their love tank 
by saying something positive in their saying something or doing something positive in their love language. And you owe it to them. You owe it to them every day to do that. All right. And it doesn't just stop there. All right. You have that same opportunity for everyone you come in contact with that day. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, obviously, you're not going to know the love language of a stranger that you interact with at Kroger's, but um, but your colleagues at work, you, you, you can pretty easily figure out uh, their love languages just by observing them, talking to them, listening to them, uh, that kind of stuff. And and again, if they're if they're mm-hmm. a gift person, bring them in a cup of coffee. Yeah, you know, do something nice mm-hmm. for those that are around you. And we begin we're we're so egocentric these days that we don't take that the, the, the time yeah. to to do that. Um, I, I'll give you a, just one more quick story about this. So again, I won't give names, but, but there's, there's this guy, there's a young guy and, and, um, he does some work at our house and he also goes to our gym and, uh, he's really, he's got this girlfriend. He's been with her for a, a period of years. And when he's over at the house doing work, we'll talk from time to time. And he's talked on several occasions about this girlfriend, loves her. She's great. You know, all of these, these great things that, that he says about her. So I see him at the gym and he's got this girlfriend with him. And I, I said, hey, look, I'm just getting introduced to him. I'm like, hey, look, I want you to know, and this is like 530 in the morning. And I'm like, hey, I want, you to, I want you to know that, man, your boyfriend is super proud of you. And he cares deeply about you. Um, and, he, and he talks about you in, in a very positive manner when, when, he, when he's over at our house. Now, the, 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 the guy who went to the gym, he's like, oh, he comes out, he heard me do that. He's like, oh, you're, you know, why are you always the perpetual politician? Why are you always politicking? <laughs> you know, he's saying that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm like, hold off, man. I'm like, let's wait about, let, let, let's just hold off for a second. I'm like, this is something I know about her. All right. Mm-hmm. I, he comes over to my house and he talks about this girl. And I know that if Libby was out saying awesome things about me to her friends, and her friends were like, oh, hey, when I was with Libby the other day, she said this awesome thing about you, whatever it is. I'm like, that would make me feel good inside. Mm-hmm. I would be happy about that because I know that my lady, who I love, is out talking about me. So all I, all I wanted to do there was share that with her so she could have the positive feeling that, of knowing mm-hmm. that someone she cares about mm-hmm. is talking in a positive manner about her unsolicited to other people, mm-hmm. and and again, hopefully that fills up a, a little bit of her of her love tank, mm-hmm. and and I had that information in my head, and I could have I I, I could have just not said it, mm-hmm. but then I missed an opportunity to to make her feel special, not special about Andy Wilson, mm-hmm. not special about me in any way, shape, or form, special because her man was talking about her, mm-hmm. and man. Our days are full of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, time it's it just time and time and time and time again, mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to notice something small about somebody and, and compliment it or say something that, uh, to, to fill somebody's love tank. And I don't know why. I don't, I, I don't know if it's just where we're at as a society. We don't. Yeah, and I think it's especially yeah. not happening now. I mean, people are, you know, smartphones, I think, have done it. And then COVID, I think, has yeah. has really compounded it, that we're all just sort of in our own little bubble. I mean, even, you know, at the grocery store, it's like 
you're waiting in line and everybody's just on their phone. No one really like talks to other people. I mean, it, it's just, right. it's, it's yeah. really the world that we're living in right now. And, and just taking, I mean, it's just a small little effort, right. you know, it didn't slow mm-hmm. you down. It didn't cost you anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just easy and but I, it would have been super easy not to do it too. But, um, yeah, and just I've, to say something. Well, and we even had this discussion the other day about women with women of taking the opportunities with other women to say something really positive mm-hmm. and that we tend to not do that as well and mm-hmm. trying to take those opportunities to be like, man, you look great today. Or, you know, just anything that you can say just to lift up mm-hmm. somebody. Hey, that's a great point because a lot of guys won't do that to for women because they don't want to be creepers. Yeah. They mm-hmm. don't want to be yeah. maced. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. A miracle. I haven't been maced. Um, but that, that's such a, that, that is such a great point, Alex, mm-hmm. that, that, um, you know, women really, uh, should do a better job of, of lifting, build, up, other lifting women. up other women. Yeah. Absolutely. There's and it's, it's it. kind of the scarcity versus growth abundant mindset, I think in some ways mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I think some people, and women maybe more than men even tend to think like somebody else's accolades takes away from them in some way you yeah. know i mean it's just yeah. like someone else's success takes away from your success and so we don't want to yeah give dole that out very well, much when it's it's just not true you know and we had this conversation a while back of you know dan would say how's your day today and i'm like great and he's like really is it great and i'm like any problem i have is a first world problem Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, come right. on, mm-hmm. people. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are you really unhappy about? Yeah. For the most part. So it's really having that mindset yeah. of and and carrying that over. And that kind of that makes me think about and carrying that mindset over of everything is really, really good ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So when you have that attitude or persona, then you're kinder to other people and, and people feel that. So it's, and just the ripple effect too. So I mean, mm-hmm. I think like if you start somebody's day off right, then you know, then they're maybe then they're a little nicer to somebody at work. Yeah. Then that person's a little bit nicer to their spouse at home. Who you know, I mean, it's just yeah, it is. It's a ripple effect. It really, mm-hmm. really is. So so listen, I, I there are there are other points that I could talk about, and these are these are just the the big points that I want to talk about today um, for for your listeners. I I would like to. I always when I get done talking uh, in a graduation, I don't typically ramble. This way at a graduation or at, <laughs> at some public speaking event. But I, I do always wonder as I'm driving home, like, I wonder what the takeaway will be. I wonder mm-hmm. if anybody will, mm-hmm. will actually apply any of this stuff. So so what I'd ask your listeners to do is really that that last point, concentrate on that last point. If, if, if the folks who are listening would just in the next 24 to 48 hours, just do something. It only has to be one thing mm-hmm. to consciously try to make the day of a loved one and then somebody that they may not know mm-hmm. better yep. that, that that would be and it, it doesn't again it doesn't have to be uh you know something huge you don't yeah. have to take you know groceries to somebody or something i'm not saying that yeah I'm like it, again a lot of that a lot of times it's the emotional things yeah. that really count yes so 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 in the next 24 to 48 hours if, if you're listening to this just do something to to make the day better of, of someone around you and that's that's where i'll, I'll end it for you Liv. i think that's and, and could i add point. without posting on social media that you did it yeah 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 that was because it still counts yeah, yeah it really does a, yeah that's a whole nother that, that's a whole nother yeah the, the 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 point that i left out you know i, I said i was going to do four points there was i only ended up doing three was the fact that everybody 
everybody has issues. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how mm-hmm. good your life looks or whatever. Everybody has issues. And I was going to talk a little bit about that. But social media was a, a big part of that yeah. that segment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Whew. that one. Yeah. yeah. That's another one that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Andy, this is for great, coming on. Andy. This yes. was very, very good. And it's, you know, um, a little different than some of the things we focused on in the past. But um, I think they're all life lessons, super great points. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you apply these things. I mean, you've, you've had a lot of success in your life and um, for lots of reasons. And I think if you can apply some of these things, I mean, just small little, you, you tend small to think. Small changes make big rewards. They do. And you tend to think that it's the big things, but it's it's really the little things oh, yeah. compounded yeah. over time that make a huge difference. And so thanks for being on our yeah, podcast thanks and sharing that. And thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, we are going to next time talk to yeah mr alex payton yeah dan <laughs> payton was, yes. fast aj whatever you want to call yes, him yeah absolutely and so he can share um some stuff with us too because um you know yeah we've learned a lot from the men in our lives yes, we and, have and so i appreciate you and thanks for being here yeah thanks, thanks Andy. thank you for listening to the pring life podcast if you are interested in learning more or would like to work with us, head on over to our website, www.northsidefunctionalmedicine.com. See you next time.